It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. And you still like me or you you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. (laughs) I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth. In America, wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. There's a bill that's been introduced by Congressman Brad Schneider from Illinois that will allow domestic agencies the ability with increased surveillance and infiltration against conservative, Christian, or even libertarian groups. You've heard uh, people that have been in former heads of intelligence agencies list libertarians as part of that, uh, the t- groups of people that might need to be monitored, infiltrated, or stopped. And that is a tactic that they want to use to try to stop the next Tea Party from being formed in this country. Mark, you were instrumental in the Tea Party back in 2009 and 2010. It was a real grassroots movement that challenged peacefully, might I add, the Obama administration for their overreaches and what they were trying to do through Obamacare, through executive orders. The Tea Party movement was a thorn in the side of the Obama agenda. I truly believe the Democrats are trying to preempt the next grassroots movement by miscategorizing uh, grassroots patriots, by trying to create a narrative that is not true. So I believe this impeachment, they know it's not going to succeed. They, they know all the facts around it. It's a show trial through and through. But even deeper than that, they're trying to stop a conversation around election integrity and create a baseline so that they can have a new surveillance bill passed through Congress. That was Charlie Kirk on Fox News uh, before the uh, trial of impeachment in the in the, uh, the United States Senate. And of course, Charlie is the founder of Tur- Turning Point USA. So well-spoken, amazing, amazing guy, really. Uh, but now we're talking about reality here. The reality is we now have documented and we are seeing in living color uh, the plans of the Biden administration to move against their opponents. And I want to give you some examples. Now, Charlie mentioned the Tea Party, and you probably will remember, but some of you might not. It's funny how years go past and people don't know about things. What happened to the Tea Party movement? It was really the, uh, the embryo of what became the Trump movement, which was, in fact, people who believed in the United States, uh, in the Constitution, uh, who believed in the principles that the nation was founded on, and that's what they rallied around. That's why it was called the Tea Party Movement after the, uh, the Boston Tea Party, which started was part of the beginnings of the Revolutionary War. So now, uh, what happened to that Tea Party? Well, I'll tell you what happened to the Tea Party. One of the agencies, at least one of the agencies of the federal government, under Barack Obama, came after the Tea Party with a vengeance, and it was the IRS. And the IRS did several things. First of all, they refused to give Tea Parties who applied their 501c3 as they began to establish around the country, 50c3 status. It meant that people could not donate uh, with and could not get tax credit for donating because they didn't have that status. Uh, and they then also told them in order to get that status, they had to uh, send in all of their meeting notes, send in lists of their members, uh, send in the speeches of whoever came, who spoke, and what did they say. 
it began to feel like surveillance and intrusion, and indeed it was. We finally found out that Lois Lerner and members of the IRS were all over this, and the idea was actually to destroy and eradicate the Tea Party movement, and they nearly succeeded in that. So now we have the Biden administration. We have the Capitol incursion on January the 6th. And on January 22nd, in a White House uh, press briefing, uh, Press Secretary Jen Psaki said this, The assault on the Capitol underscored what we have long known. The rise of domestic violent extremism is a serious and growing national security threat. And so then she announced this three-part response. We're going to develop a comprehensive threat assessment coordinated with the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, on domestic violent extremism. We're also going to build a National Security Council capable of focusing on countering domestic violent extremism and conduct a policy review effort to determine how the government can share information better about this threat and support efforts to prevent radicalization, to disrupt violent extremist networks, and more. And the last thing that they plan to do is coordinate relevant parts of the federal government to enhance and accelerate efforts to address domestic violent extremism. And NSC, National Security Council, convened process will focus on addressing evolving threats, radicalization, the role of social media, opportunities to improve information sharing, operational responses, and more. They said to us things that I don't think the American people actually understood. What they're saying is the full force of the federal government and its national security wings, apparatus, and probably other things too, Justice Department too, I know that for a fact, are going to turn inward. Not so much those jihadis and the Chinese, in fact, not the Chinese at all, uh, or the, uh, the Iranians or the North Koreans. No, we... Our real threat is domestic violence. It's domestic violent extremists. And that, of course, by definition, for a long time, the FBI has been, oh, uh, like white militias in Michigan and out in the West. And also, it's kind of morphed into Trump supporters. And so we see where this is going. And if you don't believe where this is going or the inference I'm making— You just have to know that we have a new person who's been appointed by uh, Joe Biden to lead this effort. It's Lieutenant General Russell Russell Honore. Uh, He's a retired uh, general, and he's going to review what happened on January 6th. And just to give you a little idea of how Russell, Lieutenant General Russell Honore, feels about January 6th, he, he called Senator Josh Hawley a piece of blank. He also uh, said about, um, this is what he tweeted. This talked about Josh Hawley. This little piece of blank with his Yale law degree should be run out of D.C. and disbarred. And then he tagged Hawley and Senator Cruz, whom he dubbed as, uh, the word I can't say, starts with an A, A hats, and adding those Yale and Harvard law grads in high order white privilege. Oh, and he goes on and on. They say he's got a nice record, interesting record, and he's the one that's going to look into January 6th and figure out who did what. And you you can be assured he'll do it very fairly. The other uh, thing that the Joe Biden administration has done is order their defense secretary to order military-wide stand-downs pausing regular activity 
in order to address white nationalism and extremism in its ranks. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to look for extremism. I wonder how they're going to define that. Could it be the FBI's definition? Could it be Christian nationalists? That's a new term that the religious left and also the AP and others like to use. Could it be those kinds of people that they are looking for in the military? They certainly did kind of a vetting in the National Guard, asking them questions about, you know, who they were affiliated with and uh, we don't know how exactly how, but they wanted to make sure that the guys that were guarding the Capitol had the right thinking. And so Joe Biden is all into this. He just made a statement at CNN just the other night at a town hall uh, that he said, I got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the the Ku Ku Klux Klan, and the most dangerous people in America continue to exist. That is the greatest threat of terror in America, domestic terror. So I would make sure my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks. I would make sure we focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. Could I just say, remember, that it was racist during Barack Obama's term to be against uh, Obamacare. Well, that was racist. The term is applied very broadly. And ladies and gentlemen, this is very, very dangerous. Uh, Christians uh, who are evangelicals who supported President Trump are being painted with this broad brush. We are white supremacists. Donald Trump was a white supremacist. This is a very, very dangerous situation. Joe went on to say, President Biden, he said, you see what's happening. The studies are beginning to be done, maybe at your university as well, about the impact of former military, former police officers, on the growth of white supremacy in some of these groups. So we have to check out the military. We have to check out the, you know, the National Guard. We can't let them you know, represent those people, whoever those people are. He also added, you may remember in one of my debates from the, former pres- from the former president, I asked him to condemn the Proud Boys. He wouldn't do it. it, it he said, he, i got to read his words, which are kind of awkward. It, he said, stand by and stand. Ready, whatever the phrase exactly was, it is a bane on our existence. It has always been, as Lincoln said, we have to, you, appear to a battle, angels, these guys are not, and women, they are, in fact, demented. They are dangerous people. You see how this is playing out. Uh, While the media and the press secretary and the current president of the United States, however illegitimately elected, are targeting people who oppose them, Uh, in very frightening ways. And we're going to talk a great deal about that uh, with our next guest. It's Ben Weingarten. Ben has written an article called Biden's Domestic War on Terrorism May Seek to Criminalize Political Dissent. I know many of you were at the Capitol, at least in D.C. on January the 6th, and uh, we've heard some lots of your stories. I know that most of the people there were there just simply to support the president and to Uh, express on that very, very freezing day, leaving your work, spending money you might not have had to get to Washington, D.C. to let your voice be heard because you were concerned about what happened in the election and you wanted someone, the Congress, the senators, the congressmen, to actually look at the evidence because no one, no court of law, in spite of what they say, ever looked at the evidence. And you saw what I saw. 
You saw testimonies, uh, one after another, hundreds if thousands in Arizona, in Wisconsin, in Michigan, uh, in Georgia, pour their, Pennsylvania, pour their hearts out about what they had seen. They were upset. These were sometimes professional people, many times professional people, not necessarily technicians. And they talked about the fraud that they had seen, the things that they'd seen that really were very upsetting, ballots being brought in in the middle of the night, and on and on. And so the people that went to Washington on January 6th to support President Trump wanted to the Congress, take a minute, take a breather, let's have this hearing, let's do this commission. That's what Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley were asking for. Let's wait a minute, please, could you look at the evidence? Because the Supreme Court refused to hear it either, refused to listen. So thousands, if not a few million people, went to D.C., and now, of course, you are the enemy. You are, um, you are going to be targeted. We know that for a fact. As a matter of fact, um, I read to you a very um, frightening article. Just um, was last week. I don't have the date. It was the first part of February. It was a Times opinion piece, uh, New York Times. And it basically the title was, They Stormed the Capitol, Their Apps Tracked Them. And in this article, the New York Times actually uh, reports how invasive our cell phones are and how all that data, with the help of Bank of America, they don't talk about that, but at least Bank of America, that's the one bank we know about, turned over the tracking of people that went to Washington on January 6th, where they stopped to eat, where they stopped to sleep, how much money they spent, who they were, what their addresses are, where they live, what they do for a living. Uh, We know this is starting, Uh, and so we need to talk about this. The Biden administration is going all out on this, and when we come back, Ben Weingarten has written an extensive piece on this in The Federalist, and I I think that you will benefit from this discussion, so I hope that you'll stay tuned, sit back, and here we go. Let's listen to more bad news, but you know what? Uh, Do not be afraid, because Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always even into the ends of the earth. And so he is, and I want to remind you of that. But still, you have to know, so we're going to get informed. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. On our democracy more broadly by your predecessor and his followers. While I appreciate efforts being made to bring them to justice, I worry about ongoing threats to our country from Americans who embrace white supremacy and conspiracies that align with it. What can your administration do to address this complex and wide-ranging problem? It's complex, it's wide-ranging, and it's real. You may re- I got involved in politics to begin with because of civil rights and opposition to white supremacists, the Ku Klux Klan, and the most dangerous people in America continue to exist. That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks And I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. 
Sandy Rios back with you. Well, that's the president of the United States, the uh, imposter in chief who spoke at a CNN town hall last Tuesday. And I'm going to talk about the substance of it, but I want to just observe uh, right away. I could do this with laughter, but it's not very funny, actually. Uh, Joe Biden says all of this about how he got involved in politics and how concerned he was about the KKK. Well, you probably don't remember, but I do, that he was very good friends with Senator Robert Byrd of West Virginia, who was a grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. I'm just saying, maybe there's a little hypocrisy here, but deeper than that, Houston, we have a problem. We have a very serious problem because what the president is uh, hinting at, and not just hinting, is something that could be a nightmare for those of us who really love this country and many that supported Donald Trump. My guest is Ben Weingarten. Uh, Ben is a great writer. Let me just say that first. He's a senior editor at The Federalist, uh, senior, senior contributor. I love The Federalist and the people that write for it are very smart people, and he's one of them. Ben is a senior fellow at the London Center for Policy Research. He's a fellow at the Claremont Institute, also where smart people hang out. And uh, he's done so many things. He is You can see his work at benweingarten.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at bhweingarten. And uh, Ben, thanks for joining me this morning. We so appreciate it. Sandy, it's my pleasure, and thanks so much for that most kind introduction. Uh, let me just uh, give a little another personal thing for you, Ben. Ben, you're a New Yorker and have been for a long time. And, uh, I apologize been... on that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm from Chicago, and I apologize for that. Uh, so uh, in spite of that, you see things very differently than your New York counterparts, and you've been very bold uh, in the way you've written uh, for a long time. So this is a big deal, what you just wrote about. It's called Biden's Domestic War on Terrorism May Seek to criminalize political dissent, may seek to criminalize political dissent. You wrote that before, I think, before Biden spoke at the CNN town hall, didn't you? I did, and uh, there's been a sort of build-up to this effort to what I believe will be execute a war on wrong thinkers in this country that is executed by both the public authorities as well as private ones, And, and I'm speaking there, of course, of big tech and the corporate media and as well Hollywood and all of the commanding heights of the ruling class. And they've telegraphed this. They've been telegraphing this really for years, even going back to the Obama administration. Early on in that administration, the Department of Homeland Security put out a threat assessment where they talked about the real threat on the domestic side being from right-wing extremists. And so what I see in the hysterical calls of those in our fearless media to deprogram wrong-thinking Americans, debathify wrong-thinking America, even drone Americans. And then you add in the use of the Capitol riot, the exploitation of the Capitol riot as an accelerant to this effort to smear, toxify, and ultimately target half the country, an emerging real threat to our core basic liberties. And it's really imperative to to state a couple things right up front. When we hear Joe Biden talk about this threat of white supremacy or extremism, and they use all sorts of different synonyms to define it, we have to be very clear about the fact that they do not define those terms. And I believe the reason they don't define those terms is because they don't want to be precise about who specifically they're targeting and why they're targeting them. I believe that you have to work under the assumption that it could well be half the country and maybe even more because the left has created this paradigm of 
racist and anti-racist. And those are the only two choices that you have as an American, or you're either a progressive or you're a bigot. And thus, non-progressives, that is all conservatives, may well be classified by our purported representatives in government as right-wing extremists or white supremacists. And the administration, by the way, maybe Joe Biden isn't aware of it. He talked about the Department of Justice pursuing this purported threat that they've never quantified or sort of justified this emerging war on domestic violent extremism on. But his administration is looking at a Department of Homeland Security and FBI-led threat assessment of American people, purported domestic violent extremists, which may well be you and your listeners and me as well. But beyond that, they're looking at a National Security Council-led coordination of all of the powers of the federal government to execute this operation against American citizens. The, the NSC coordinating every single relevant government agency essentially to turn potentially the very powers used or that should be used to target jihadists on American citizens. You know, Joe Biden talks about America, domestic violent extremists being the real threat. He speaks with more contempt and hysteria and fear, essentially, towards American people than he does towards our greatest adversaries overseas, namely communist China. Oh, yes, absolutely, Ben. And, you know, let me just give some background on this. And I know that you're fully aware of this, but my uh, my husband was an FBI agent. And when even when he was still with the agency under Mueller, uh, the FBI uh, scrubbed from their training manuals at uh, Quantico any mention of jihadists, uh, any negative references to Islam. It started then. And then, of course, now the FBI has morphed into embracing what you just described, that the real danger in this country is internal. It's a homegrown extremist. They have repeated that, and Christopher Ray has never veered from that path. So the groundwork has been being laid for this distortion of the real dangers for a, you know more than a decade now. So, so here we are. Um, you talk about language, Ben. Let's go into that because you talk about how, well, we, I think you've written more about this at other times, and I've certainly talked about it, how the left manipulates language and why their vagueness is so dangerous. Give us an, ex- give us an idea of what you're talking about. Yeah, well, you know, I, I go back to Ibram X. Kendi is sort of the godfather of this anti-racism ideology, and under the anti-racism rubric, essentially, you have those who are actively fighting against purported racists and then everyone else. And if you're not an ally or a partner, then you're an enemy and you are cast as definitionally a bigot. And what I see, particularly in the way of the earliest executive orders that the Biden administration has put forth, is an emphasis on, quote unquote, equity, not equality. And what they mean by equity is essentially imposing that radical leftist agenda of trying to equalize outcomes in terms of demographics to make everything in our society and certainly everything in government exist in direct proportions to what the demographics say, which essentially means that they want not just affirmative action writ large, but essentially judging people explicitly and as giving people opportunity explicitly on the basis of characteristics that they're born with, rather than on the basis of their merits. So essentially what the administration is enshrining in policy via its executive orders is discrimination. 
And Ibram X. Kendi himself says that to make up, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing here, for decades of discrimination, we have to now discriminate against the former discriminators. The administration in its language and also ultimately in these executive actions and original executive orders is signaling that they will use the exact same language. And so that leads me to believe if you apply that as well as the fact that they have announced via Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, that there will be an effort to counter domestic violent extremism and that they they cast domestic violent extremists essentially as potentially all of us that we're in big trouble. Uh, It means that ultimately you could have the full force of the federal government turned on American citizens under the guise of national security and use it to imperil our First Amendment rights and ultimately all of our other rights as well. And specifically, they've talked about using big tech to do it. And of course, big tech is already deplatforming conservatives and censoring and flagging and the like. But using, using government pressure to force big tech to ultimately abridge our First Amendment rights is a true violation of our, our, the first right, the right on which all of our other rights reside in reality, because absent freedom of thought, expression, speech, everything else falls, and you're left with one party power. So the, but going back to your original point, the abuse of language ultimately always leads to an abuse of power, and the left has controlled the language, and that's a huge problem that we have to overcome. And part of it is speaking openly and honestly and clearly about what they mean and asking them to define their terms. And they're very loath to do it because they know the American people would reject it if they had to be honest. You know, Ben, I, uh, this is a mantra with me. I, I, always hate to, I hate to repeat it, but I have to, and that is that I've had a lot of experience in communist regimes. I lived in Berlin, Germany, when the wall, wall was up. Uh, I've traveled to Red China and interviewed people who are underground, who just got out of prison. I could tell so many stories. Same thing in North Korea. I was there. I've been to Cambodia, India, Russia before the Soviet Union, doing the same thing. My point is this. I have seen the oppression, and I know a lot about it, and I will particularly talk about Cambodia in this moment. When you ask, you know, in the killing fields, when you go into their museum, they took careful pictures and records of all the people they slaughtered. It's really bizarre. It's kind of like the Nazis. And when you ask what their crime was, one of the things that I I had explained to me was no one was quite certain what the crime was. You just, they suspected Either you didn't really embrace, you know, Pol Pot or the red, the, the red Cambodians, or they suspected, or you said something or did something. It was never defined, Ben. This, to me, seems to be characteristic of very dangerous totalitarian movements. Would you agree? Absolutely. It, first of all, you can never be too loyal to the regime, so to speak, and their definitions of what defines loyalty to the cause and what the cause actually represents is ever-changing. There's no limiting principle to it, and that's why you see former leftists in good standing even getting purged from places like the New York Times and elsewhere, because what is characterized or described as wrong think is forever changing. It's forever accelerating. So today, the person that the media hails as a paragon of virtue and progressive principle, tomorrow can be the greatest enemy. And really, you know, what we see is sort of a Mensheviks versus the Bolsheviks kind of mentality. But I absolutely agree. It's a hallmark of totalitarian regimes to increasingly purge 
anyone and everyone who is perceived as a threat, and the definition of a threat is ever-changing, and there's no limiting principle to it. You know, one of the best examples of that, and this sounds so extreme, but honestly, Ben, I think that you and I know philosophically this is where this is headed. Maybe not in our lifetimes, maybe not in 20... God, I hope it doesn't happen in our lifetimes, but we're moving toward... uh, This kind of thinking is what developed a Stalin, who ended up killing his wife, killing his daughter, and killing all the men who surrounded the ones that uh, I believe had carried the casket in some, maybe it was Lenin's funeral. He ended up murdering everyone because nobody was loyal enough to him. And, uh, and, and the bar kept moving, as you said. He kept killing more and more people close to him, just murdered millions of Russians. That's what this kind of thinking does. And so we're, we're on the, cut, the beginning of this. And we have to be able to recognize it as it unfolds, and that's why you've written this article, to help us identify. All right, so I, there are so many things. Uh, Nicole Wallace was um, recently on it. You know, I'm sure you've seen her comments. They're, they're incredible. She talked about um, sending drones. We sent drones to, put, uh, to dispose of uh, Islamists, you know, who were American citizens. Why can't we do that in this case? It's basically what she said. Um, I was shocked by that, Ben. Just your thoughts about what to what lengths they've already discussed maybe doing something really terrible to their opposition. Yeah, and, and look, even more authoritative than Nicole Wallace and her unhinged remarks are former senior defense officials, like a General Stanley McChrystal, for example, has compared Americans to al-Qaeda in context of sort of executing an insurgency, even though they never point to anything except the Capitol riot. That's the one data point that they can point to, to justify this sort of hysterical, reckless, dangerous, extreme rhetoric. And then there's other officials as well, former senior intelligence officials who are talking about the need to execute a counterinsurgency and apply the lessons of what was done overseas to Americans. So you're talking about senior defense and intelligence officials also picking up the mantle, speaking like a Nicole Wallace, which in and of itself, I guess, should kind of terrify us. Uh, I I think what we're seeing exposed, and this is sort of goes broader than just what's happening today, but over the last four years, we've seen all the institutions destroy themselves, undermine their own credibility, delegitimize themselves because of, I believe, their real fear of actually, in effect, having to serve the American people. Donald Trump was elected as a bulwark against all these institutions and as a repudiation of all these institutions. He was a direct response to the failure of all of these agencies. Consequently, they had to destroy him as a proxy for destroying all of us. And and now they have to destroy us. And that is exactly what's happening. Ben Weingarten is my guest. His article is Biden's Domestic War on Terrorism May Seek to Criminalize Political Dissent. That's actually a kind title when you think about what we're talking about, Ben. But we'll be right back after this because there's so much more to say, and this really does touch all of our lives. So stay tuned. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. So I said in an interview with the 19th uh, News website this week that uh, the country needs a truth commission. What exactly would a truth commission be? 
So I think part of what we're seeing now is because we haven't really done the reckoning with the racial injustice and white supremacy of our past that we need to do. And so, you know, a truth commission, a lot of people will think of South Africa. We've used them in countries around the world. And basically what it is, is it's a communities all the way up to the national level having conversations about both the gory and the glory of our history and what happened both throughout the history of our country and leading up to and on January 6th so that we can come to a common narrative moving forward of what we want our country to be. Do you think the House and Senate leadership have the stomach for that? I think so. Look, we all were victims of this attack in addition to being the lawmakers of this country. And I know for a lot of us, this is very personal. We've had threats to our lives, threats to our homes and our families. And so I think that there are a lot of us who know that this impeachment trial was just the start of holding Donald Trump accountable, but that we need to make sure that we're doing accountability of anyone who incited, encouraged or committed acts of violence. And then really looking forward at kinds of things like truth commissions, like democracy, like institution building that we know are going to be the real fixes to what we've seen in this country. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining me. Of course. Happy to be here with you. Congresswoman Sarah Jacobs from California with Brian Stelter on CNN, a truth commission. And we need to get to the bottom of what happened on January the 6th. Ben Weingarten is my guest. His article is Biden's domestic war on terrorism may seek to criminalize political dissent. Okay, Ben, let's talk about January 6th. You and I have not spoken about that, but in context, it's difficult for anyone to know exactly what happened. I've talked a great deal about that. A lot of my listeners were there, and they've given their stories. But after all that you've read and watched, what is your perspective on what happened and what the implication is of of what's happening now on that day, that that particular day? Yeah, Look, January 6th, and I've written this, was a pathetic, disgraceful, and intolerable display of a small group of people out of an ocean of peaceful and patriotic Americans trying to make their voices heard, essentially undermining that entire movement. And of course, our side, writ large, is held to a completely different standard from the other side. So the one time that a, a some Trump supporters acted like those on the left acted all summer during the 1619 riots, of course, is being exploited and used to smear and target us all. I do think it's very telling these people calling for a 9-11 style commission. And, and by the way, of course, they've, they've compared ca- the Capitol riots to Pearl Harbor as well and other disasters in American history, attacks on, on our republic. Uh, in their hysteria and their exploitation and their cynicism. And we can run through all the adjectives to describe the way people are trying to use this. The Capitol riot is being used as part of an information operation, as I said, to try to cast half the country as intolerable, deplorable, to be essentially shut out of the public square, potentially lose their jobs, and essentially make it criminal, at least in the public eye, to stand with the MAGA movement. And we should, we should, again, speak openly and honestly about the fact that that's what this is all about. It is about chilling, in reality, dissenters to the people who are, frankly, acting in a fascistic fashion when you talk about the federal government working hand-in-hand with big business and big tech and corporate media and woke capital and beyond to try to push their ideology, impose their ideology on the half of the country that rejects 
that ideology. That's really all this is. It's using one event, which again, I would argue, was a horrible event that undermined essentially what the real point of that day was, which was to, to challenge the legitimacy of the election. Let's not forget, it undermined an essential issue and allowed the left to distort and divert from that issue. But it's all about part of an information operation, again, as we talked about, that started you know, at least a decade ago to try to cast half the country as deplorable and then continue to ramp up the pressure on them up to and including this domestic war on violent extremism, so-called, that we're talking about. But it should scare every American that any representative wants the so-called Truth Commission. I mean, it's about as Orwellian as it gets when you talk about these people in Congress acting as if they are paragons of truth. It's absolutely pathetic. And you know they're not paragons of truth because none of them will even dare answer any of the questions that Tucker Carlson and the publication Revolver raised about what actually happened in terms of the violence that transpired that day. All of the basic questions have not been answered about the violence. And the New York Times itself has reported on the fact that essentially in terms of the damage that occurred at the Capitol, there was broken windows and graffiti and such, all of which is disgraceful and inexcusable. Again, but nevertheless, which pales in comparison to what transpired all summer long under the guise of leftism, supported by the Democrat Party, including Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yes, all of that. I guess also there are some, and I guess I'm one of those, Ben, that um, mm, seeing the dark side of things, I think the whole business, I don't want to go on a tangent here, but Nancy Pelosi, I think, was up to her ears in uh, what happened on January 6th. I think the whole business about the National Guard not being called and the Capitol Police not getting back up and the Capitol Police being so unprepared, it's all very suspicious to me. John Sullivan from Antifa and Black Lives Matter being present with the camera uh, and all the things that we caught him on uh, online saying, the fact that, you know, uh, leftist uh, insurgents, whatever you want to call them, were unloading on buses a few blocks away from the Capitol, make people very suspicious about um, uh, the fact that this this seems like a triggered event. It doesn't mean their Trump supporters were completely innocent, but I just uh, I think it's a triggered event. But I want to talk to you. Something has happened since you wrote this piece uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, well, I think it was yesterday that Lieutenant General Russell Honor, Honore Honore uh, was uh, assigned by Joe Biden to review the Capitol siege and January sixth attack. What do you do? You, I, I don't want to throw something at you. Haven't talked about or thought about. But what I'm hearing is that he is a complete leftist. I don't know if you know anything about that, Ben. Yeah, I've seen some of his remarks where he's already was immediately prejudging what transpired in the Capitol riots and essentially engaging in conspiracy like conspiracy theory like speculation about what transpired in the immediate days after when as we know, weeks later the narrative, for example, about what happened to Officer Sicknick has been completely called into yes, question. Absolutely. Uh, all of all of these initial allegations have fallen apart, sort of analogous to Russiagate in a lot of respects. On Capitol on the Capitol riot, really briefly, I would urge everyone to read J. Michael Waller's account, who was there that day at the Federalist, because he's written that length about what he saw with his own eyes that day, and I think really provides some great insight into it. But yeah, the fact that General Honore is, it seems like, going to be one of the people leading the security review just shows you what a sham this is. And essentially, it, it's more Soviet justice from the left. You know, show me the man and I'll show you the crime. That is exactly the way that they are casting their quote-unquote investigation. And that's why I say Truth Commission, it's about as Orwellian as it gets 
from the people who have already convicted, and it's just a matter of putting pen to paper on what they're going to convict you for. It's so transparent and obvious to anyone who is looking at it that essentially our entire national security apparatus, most of our Congress and the bodies that deal with national security are all being politicized and weaponized. And who's going to stand up and say and do something about it? You know, there are very few. It's essentially, you know, President Trump and Devin Nunes, I think, is another courageous American who stood up and actually took on these authorities who, of course, hold great power to, as Chuck Schumer said, uh, you know, hold you to account, let's say, six ways from Sunday. And, you know, now it's Senator Cruz and Senator Hawley as well. But it's so few representatives willing to stand up to these authorities. But let's not forget, these authorities threaten the representatives, but as a proxy for you. At the end of the day, it is all about us. And they want to intimidate us, silence us, stifle us, because they refuse to bridge the chasm between their policies and what the American people actually consent to in terms of their governance. That's what, at the end of the day, this is all about. A a government that was actually representative of the people would have seen what transpired in the Capitol on January 6th. Everything that transpired in terms of the up to 500,000, I've heard, Americans who were down on the Capitol that day and the small percentage who acted in a horrible fashion and said, huh, maybe we should be responsive to people who stepped away from their lives, many of whom have, have dealt with all sorts of difficulties over the last year that the ruling class has not, and said, maybe we should be a little bit more responsive to these people. Maybe we should ask, why is it that so many people are so devoted to this cause that they're willing to come out here in the cold and stand for hours outside in Washington, D.C.? The fact that their response is instead to try to suppress, attack, malign, and smear the half of the country that doesn't go along with them, I think tells you everything you need to know about our purported ruling class. Oh, I totally agree, Ben. And I, I would have to say, and I will name a name here, I was, I was just appalled when Senator McConnell stood and said that uh, while, while they were hearing whatever, whatever point this took place in what happened on January 6th, on the Senate floor, he said that they're trying to destroy democracy. These people who are here, you know, are, are to, uh, to stand against, uh, for election integrity are trying to destroy democracy. And interesting to me that he thought that democracy was just in that building. Whatever he was doing and whatever he was um, willing to happen inside that building, that was democracy and not the people. You know, when we, we quite frankly and quite openly have supposed to have a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people, with a preamble that, that says any, when any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish them and to establish new governments. That's clearly what our documents say. But according to Mitch McConnell and others inside, no, that's that hallowed hall and their ruling uh, and their decisions, that's democracy, not the people. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, and, and you want to see how far we've come on board from our Republican governmental system. H.R. 1, that first bill in the last Congress and the first one in this one, and there's a Senate companion to it as well, is all about enshrining the undermining, the evisceration of the integrity of the vote and federalizing our elections. Every last sort of crazy stratagem trick that was put forth in this election to undermine the legitimacy of this election and and foist fraud and corruption and, at the very least, the appearance of criminality 
on our election is what our federal lawmakers, some of them, are looking to enshrine. Meanwhile, we have not gotten to the bottom of what actually transpired during this election. And where is our where are our representatives on that? Isn't that an imperative thing to ensure that there's the integrity of the vote? Isn't that one of the primary things that separates us from banana republics? So like with this issue of countering domestic violent extremism, so-called, where most of our purported representatives seem to be out to lunch, even though their constituents rightly fear that they are going to be under assault, where are our elected representatives who purport to care about democracy and the Constitution and our Republican governmental system on vote integrity? Because that is under assault. And if either if these bills pass, ultimately, if the Senate and the House come together and do pass effectively H.R. 1, that's the whole ballgame. In 2022, you could have a, a Democrat majority and ultimately in perpetuity in our federal government. Any one of a few things, D.C. and Puerto Rico statehood as well. So it, it once again shows that one of the lessons of January 6th is that it was used to cover up the critical seminal issue of vote integrity. And our representatives need to stand up and get a full and accurate accounting of what transpired and ensure that there are reforms put in place so we never have an election like 2020 again. But of course, our ruling class wants elections like 2020 forever. Yes, and that applies to both sides of the aisle. That's the distressing thing about it, Ben. Well, listen, these are these are really uh, these times present a tremendous conundrum for all of us. I would just say this: uh, one of the biggest hopes that I have is that truth still cuts through. I saw that, you know, during the impeachment uh, trial when the managers got up and spewed their nonsense. Uh, when the defense of President Trump later got up and started playing their videos and making their case, I thought. It was like a Dracula before a cross. I just felt like they kind of melted and lost their courage because truth has such a power. And Ben, you're writing truth. And as long as I can speak it and you can write it, I have hope that we can do something about this. Ben Weingarten has written, Biden's domestic war on terrorism may seek to criminalize political dissent. And it's available at Federalist. I go right to the Federalist because who knows? It might not be available if you try to Google it. Uh, But you can also go to bengarten.com, benweingarten.com to get any of Ben's writings and to follow him. Uh, Ben, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for writing this and thank you for giving us your, your valuable time this morning. Appreciate it. All right. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.